Welcome to Deep Dive Genre. Director and writer Peter Torwart already made numerous short films on Super 8 and video growing up in Una, at the edge of the rural area. His 1996 short film, Was nicht passt, wird passend gemacht, which he realized while still at the HF of Munich, earned him numerous nominations and awards, including a nomination for the Student Academy Award in 1997, a nomination for the German Short Film Award, and the silver plaque at the Chicago Film Festival. Peter's 1999 feature debut, Bang Boom Bang, is now considered a cult film. His second feature, a long version of Was nicht passt, wird passend gemacht, was awarded the Jupiter for the best German film. He co-wrote the screenplay for Die Welle with his friend, director Dennis Gansel. The film, screened at Sundance in 2008, received a German film award and attracted over 2.5 million viewers to theaters. Over the years, Peter Torwart has developed and written numerous screenplays with Stefan Holz, Blood Red Sky among them. After 16 years of preparation, his passion project premiered on Netflix in July 2021. Blood Red Sky was streamed in 190 countries and number one in 57 of them. Peter's follow-up, Blood and Gold, was released on the streamer in April 2023. We talked to Peter via video call for this interview. Hi, Peter. Hi. Hi, Christine. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Nothing has done a better job in recent years to bring the horror genre back into the mainstream spotlight here in Germany than your film Blood Red Sky, which was number one in the Netflix streaming charts in, I don't know, 57 countries or probably more. It was 57, but number two <laughs> in Germany, but uh, worldwide it was number one, as you mentioned, in 57 countries. And yeah, it was a huge success. But uh, in Germany, we, we did good, but not as good as worldwide. I'll be asking a few general genre questions, but mainly I really want to talk with you about your film and, and the creative choices you, you made. Did you actually want to tell a horror story or did you want to tell that specific story? I, I wanted to tell the specific story. I don't think uh, Black Red Sky is a horror movie. It comes along as a horror movie, mm -hmm. but actually it's not a horror movie because our heroine is the vampire and uh, there, are horror, there are horror elements in the movie, yeah. but it's not a horror movie. I, I would say Backbone is a drama. Mm -hmm. It's a mother and son story, and this is the backbone of the story. It has the uh, the DNA of, an, uh, of a classic action movie like Die Hard. Yeah. So we have a contained venue, and uh, something happened in there. There are some terrorists, and she is just not John McClane. She is Nadia. And side story, she is a, she is a vampire, so she has to use her special skills to fight those guys. And uh, this is actually the story. And there are only some elements in the story which are more taken from the horror movie. And this, but maybe we talk about this later. I would say this are, these are the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Because you just mentioned Nadia and her, her son. Was it always that specific constellation? Mother and, and son? No, no, no. I, I have to admit, uh, first of all, we, we started different. You know, uh, it has a very, very long history. We started, uh, my co-writer, Stefan Holz, and I started to develop this story 2006. At this time, we 
we, uh, so I became father uh, very late, uh, 2014. So uh, first of all, the story was uh, more orientated a little bit like, I would say, from Dusk of Dawn. So mm-hmm. we like this this surprising moment when suddenly uh, it turns out she's a vampire. And uh, But be- before I came father myself, I had uh, the, the idea uh, there's something missing in the story, and this is a dramatic story. So there was a, a little boy on board, but it was not her son. Suddenly, I think it must have been 2008 or something, I was uh, running, and when I'm running, uh, my brain <laughs> works different, I don't know, and I came up with the idea, we, we are missing a point here. If she is a mother, so the story would be much more emotional. Mm-hmm. Then I called uh, Stefan, and he didn't know, and said, yeah, but then we have to, to do a new story. I said, no, not actually. We can take elements. But it, it developed this way, and I think mm-hmm. it was good. So the long process of developing the story and get it financed later on, it all makes sense uh, at the end. Okay. Well, I still have to wonder how you guys never gave up, because, I mean, that is just quite quite a long, long time to, yeah, to stick so with the project. We had other projects as well. So it was not just this project. We worked over and over again. And Christian Becker, of course, he was supporting us, although he didn't like the story, uh, <laughs> okay. uh, the, the first draft. And then we gave him the second draft, and it was not his cup of tea, actually. Mm-hmm. So he somehow understood and he trusted me, but it was not his. He would have liked it better if it was like this from Dusk and Dawn story and with yeah. a little bit more gimmicks. But after he had seen the final movie, he said, no, I got it. So he never believed in this in this uh, emotional strength the story oh, has. Interesting. But at the end, when he saw the movie and said, okay, now you got me, yeah. At the start of the movie, obviously, there's this eerie shot where Elias upsize from the plane. And then we see this small child with a stuffed animal, which obviously has an important part later on. For me, not only did that suck me in as a viewer, for me, that also actually established Elias as the hero, because you earlier mentioned that that Nadia is the heroine. And a lot of the reviews also said that's a story of, of a mother's love for her child. And Benjamin actually mentioned, he said, well, it's for him, it might be the story of Elias and of the, um, of the engineer as well. I forgot his name. And uh, so, it's funny. Funny. Yeah. so I was wondering yeah. how, how you see, see it now that the film has been out for a while. I would say it's both actually. And I think at the midpoint, it starts to change. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you was talking about the frame story. So yeah. it starts with totally a different style. It's it's more like an, uh, an action thriller. It's how the story starts. And I, I know people who said, okay, um, they didn't like it because now we know this plane is landed in, at the end and we know how it ends somehow. But it's not about this. It's, it's, I, I think it's more, as you said, uh, there is a, a big, it's a suspense moment. Okay, what happened to the boy? And uh, we see the whole story through the eyes of the boy. But then we, we just cut back uh, how the story started. And I would say at the beginning of the story, it's more her, uh, her story. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's on the plane. She has to take care about her son. Uh, on the other hand, he uh, takes care about her as well. I, I would say uh, a strange way. He behaves a little bit more like an adult. Uh, what, what I like because uh, we have this special thing about him. And uh, in the middle of the story, when she has to reveal her superpowers, I say, 
then I think the drama comes into play. And this is when the boy starts to get the heroine of the story. I think it's changing. Like Fargo, for instance. Mm -hmm. I, I would say uh, the the guy who is hiring the killers, yeah. he is uh, the, the main character for the first half. Okay. And then she comes into the story. Uh, I think this happened very late in the first act, at the end of the first act. And then she becomes the, the, the main character. Sure. And, yeah. and, and they hand it over. And it's happening here a little bit the same way. Okay. And the reviews mentioned the, the vampire part of the story. So when you started, well, at least when I started watching it, you know, you kind of knew what to expect, but still there's this nervous undercurrent when you watch it until the reveal happens. And you mentioned the, the backstory or the flashbacks earlier. How was the decision made? How much of the backstory you wanted to show? Because I heard that there was some sort of discussion with Netflix. It was not a big discussion. So we were on the same page because mm -hmm. we wanted to, to keep the secret that she is a vampire as long as it's possible. And I think it's necessary because then she is going to be introduced as a mother. Yeah. The mother with a certain kind of illness. And it could be leukemia or something. But she is treating herself with the medicine, and I think we don't want. We want to get the the audience who are not fan of horror movies, and we didn't want to to fuck them up by showing, <laughs> revealing uh, at the beginning it's a, a vampire story, and uh, somehow even if you know it's a vampire movie because of the trailer or yeah what else, uh, I think the circumstance that she is get introduced as a real person. This definitely helps to root for her. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is, was very important. And uh, then I, I think it's uh, the first act, uh, it's more like she is care about the son. He is behaving some kind weird. Then the plane is taken over by those guys. And when she gets shot, I think this is really, really tough because uh, we, we know it's, uh, uh, she's his, uh, his mother. And then uh, we have shown the first flashbacks and it didn't tell too much, mm -hmm. but uh, the first flashback, and, and this is uh, very interesting because after the movie was uh, released on Netflix, you know, they have the yeah. algorithm and he can analyze everything. So I think you don't need an algorithm to realize, okay, where we have a little drop off. So uh, basically we had a, a very high amount of completers mm -hmm. who watched Uh, almost all the way uh, through, 90% yeah. or all the way through. But there were some little drops mm -hmm. when it comes to the flashbacks. Hmm. And uh, Netflix told me later on, ah, oh, Netflix doesn't work because it's uh, disturbing the fluent story. And I, I, I had made a, another experience because I was questioning friends of mine. Mm -hmm. And there were some who told me, oh, you know what, when it came to the flashbacks, it was just too tough for us. We had to switch it off because mm -hmm. we was afraid. It was really scary because then the movie turns to a horror movie. She is the mother and uh, there is something in the woods and she the car breaks down and then she is going to this abandoned place, to this cottage. And uh, this is a horror movie because uh, there is a th threat somewhere. Yeah. And she is our heroine. And uh, when this happens on the plane, it's different. So she is the action hero who has to fight the villains and the villains, they are no vampires. But yeah. this was a switching. Plus, it's a different pace as well, you know, because it's suddenly it's 
a little bit slower at least, you know, than the action sequences. So I think it people is. can be thrown by that as well, in addition to yeah, the horror it, it, it can be, and, and we lost only a little amount of viewers, but I would say you cannot uh, think like that. Maybe much more people stayed watching the movie because of the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And this is what the algorithm cannot, cannot show you. It, it enriches the movies, those uh, the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And we still I only still tell parts of her backstory. And I think it's very important to know where is she from and how she became a vampire and her relationship with a little baby. It's, it's so heartbreaking because she doesn't want to be evil, but something happens to her. And I think this is definitely necessary for the story. Now that we're talking, I'm actually wondering, how aware is Elias of what exactly is going on with his mom? Because I don't think that's, uh, you, you're getting into the specifics of that in the film, if I remember uh, it's correctly. A good, it's a good question, actually, because I, I, I was asked this many times. And my interpretation is she, he knows she is a vampire, but he doesn't know what it means. Mm -hmm. So he has never seen her in action. He yeah. has never seen her transformed. So uh, I think he knows, okay, my, uh, my mother cannot uh, stand the sunlight and there's something wrong about her and she must not drink blood. But he doesn't know what it is uh, yeah. uh, with all the consequences. And this is what he realizes on, on the plane. So he knows about her. He knows uh, everything, but he doesn't know how far this can go. She has to go all the way because she's making a decision. Okay, she says, okay, now I have to reel my superpowers because I have to fight those guys because I want to save my little kids. But at the end, it means I'm, I'm becoming a threat for the little boy as well. And she knows that. Yeah. And this is what makes it dramatic. You cast two well-known international actors, Graham McTavish of Outlander fame and Dominic Purcell, which I heard he was the sort of stand-in in the concept for a long time. Yeah. How hard was it to find Perry Baumeister and Karl Anton Koch. I heard that you had initially, uh, Benjamin mentioned that you had initially a, a different young boy for the role. Yeah, of we have a different young boy and he was somehow different. So uh, first of all, I'm very glad that we went with Karl Anton Koch mm -hmm. because he, he was just gorgeous. But he was not our number one choice. There was another boy and uh, his parents were very worried about the story. So they were visiting us in Prague uh, two times, actually. I was sitting down with them together and they said, yeah, we don't know, it's a tough story. I said, I know, I know. And I'm a father myself and definitely we don't want to harm the boy. Uh, so we are taking care about everything. And I think we did a fantastic job later on. But they still were, so then they said, okay, okay, now we know you and we have a good feeling about this. Then they left and they called me two days later. And uh, actually we had this, um, we wanted to do everything right mm -hmm. because we were shooting in Germany. We wasn't supposed to engage her. Uh, how do you call it, a medienpädagogische Beratungskraft. Um, <laughs> okay. She was res responsible for everything. And I, I take this serious. So I, mm. I think it's, it's really something I was thinking about very, very long ago. And we wanted to do this movie, you know, for, for quite a long time. And I uh, was uh, contacting such a person a long time before and asked her about, okay, do you think 
a little boy can do that and said, if, if you have the right approach, it's possible. And I was taking this very seriously. But this woman, she refused to read the script. And mm -hmm. she read it three weeks before we were shooting. And mm -hmm. she even refused to talk to me, which was uh, crazy because... Uh, mm -hmm. It's a really, really necessary point. So, okay, to, to make a long story short, at the end, the, the, the parents, they had a bad feeling about this. And I said, I, I told them, you know what, then don't do it yeah. uh, because uh, you have to feel right. It was tough for the little boy because he wanted to do it. He really wanted to do it and, and he was devastated. But uh, we, we have to accept that. Yeah. And the good thing is we had this other family and Karl Anton Koch, uh, his, his father is a singer at the opera. Mm -hmm. His uh, mother is a dancer. So they are artists themselves. Yeah. He has three brothers, three younger brothers, two of them, maybe now three, I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> two of them are acting as well. Okay. So they know how it works. I was contacted them and said, you know what? Okay, let's sit down. Okay, you have to make sure that the boy is educated. It is, uh, there's someone who takes care about him. It was actually his uncle. He was working uh, at the theater in Berlin. Mm -hmm. He was there as a coach. He coached him all the time. He had a young teacher. She was perfect. She was there all the time. And we never extended his uh, shooting time on set. Mm -hmm. So we made it also. We had two doubles for when he was in the background yeah. or, or when we say, just saw the back of his head and everything. And it worked perfectly. And he was so much part of the team. He was there when the vampires wore <laughs> the special makeup artist, yeah. Makuya, who is a great star. He was two Oscars. He was doing the makeup and everything. I knew all about this. And he was on a, a Montessori school and they were supporting him. I said, mm -hmm. okay, he can take his time. Everything is no problem. And he had a, a camera and was taking pictures <laughs> all the time. And his job was doing uh, like an internship he was okay. doing a documentation of the whole yeah. movie and later he, he got an a an a for doing this and he was of course learning english he was doing his homework he was on set and for us it was always tough because he wanted to be longer and i said mm -hmm. sorry but you are not allowed go out no. play we were shooting we built this uh, this plane on stage mm -hmm. and uh, outside of this big hall where we shot the movie uh, it was summer so he had to go out with his teacher and play and everything so I, I think it was uh, it was definitely no problem at all and when it came to the very very violent scenes we shot it that he wasn't part of it mm -hmm. so always find a great solution it wasn't uh, scary for him at all yeah. uh, I think the the most important thing to work with children actors is you have to make sure that you don't treat them as stars mm -hmm. because I think this is the biggest problem. If, if they, uh, he is a star, he did a great job and he was very professional. I'm still in contact with the family and I'm really, I'm very confident that we did a good job. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Perry Baumeister. Yeah. <laughs> Given that she had to do quite a lot of stunts, how much prep time did she have? We casted her very lately because first of all, we did three rows of uh, auditioning uh, with lots of really, really great actress. And they gave it all. It was really perfect. But until uh, at the end, uh, there were uh, four actresses I, I, I really liked and I wanted to discuss them with Netflix. And very, very late, uh, um, Perry was available because another TV show she did was uh, stopped by Netflix. Or, yeah. yeah. 
too bad for them, but it was <laughs> great for us. She came, she was just perfect. We had quite a lot of time. She, we went to, to Prague. We shot the movie in Prague and it was tough for her because she is a mother herself mm-hmm. and a, a single mom. So there was a, a nanny taking care of her little daughter. But it was so tough for her. But she was unstoppable. It was really crazy. When it comes to the the fight, she did everything herself. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was in one or two stunt themes. We have had a double. Yeah. But uh, she wanted to do it all. And I I tried to stop her when we were training. And when when it comes to the shooting and we do, did some rehearsals, I, I t- said, oh, Perry, you know what? It's just a rehearsal. Please, <laughs> please do only fifty percent. But it, it, she is not the actress. She cannot do it like this. She has to go the the, the whole way, and she yeah. did it perfectly. And I know it was tough because it took her at least five hours in the makeup and uh, one yeah. hour to remove the makeup again mm-hmm. and uh, shoot in between. And her her daughter. And uh, this is what I am a little bit angry about. Is uh, that she didn't get the props she deserved for doing mm-hmm. this movie. For me, I don't do movies for getting awards or something. I just do do my movies, uh, which I like. And uh, but for her, I don't know. She she just deserved it because it's it's not only her, her physical acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, because to 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 touch the audience in an emotional way, she did. I know what she did and it was such a perfect job and no one realized this later on. That's, that's really bad. Maybe the audience did, but yeah. uh, not the Academy, not the TV guys. Yeah. So it's maybe it's because of Netflix because it's just in between, but it was uh, outstanding what she did. Well, also because it's this action horror film, that's a very mainstream popular film and these films always have a hard time yeah, getting recognition. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. I can tell you, um, I wrote uh, the screenplay for The Wave. I wrote it in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in two weeks. And for this, it took us years for Stefan Holtz and, and I writing this script because yeah. it's so complicated because it's uh, in this contained uh, environment and okay uh, it's like playing chess you have those characters and he is there but he cannot move there and it was so complicated technically mm-hmm. yeah it's a total different thing but absolutely talking about technical stuff because you mentioned that you shot in a well it was a full-sized airplane replica we took the interior of an airplane but Mm -hmm. we built it on stage so so the fuselage the outside shape of of the what wasn't there we mostly with uh, visual effects later on cgi but uh, the interior was actually an old uh, Boeing, yes, it was an old Boeing, but we dressed it because we had the special thing with the stairs going down, mm-hmm. which uh, only has the Airbus 340. <laughs> but uh, yeah, our, our art designer, Uwe Stanek, he did a fantastic job yeah. uh, together with the crew in Prague. Everything was perfect but uh, for us, and we had some walls we got rid of, but actually uh, we didn't use that that often because we always tried to find angles with a camera mm-hmm. which are possible on a plane. We didn't want to remove a wall and shoot f- use a long lens shot from the outside to shoot yeah. inside because we always wanted to create the atmosphere. We as an audience are part of the of the crew or the passengers. 
and we are on board on the plane. And Yoshi Heimat, who was a DOP, mm -hmm. he did a great job, and I'm I'm very pleased with the result. Yeah, I mean, watching it, I was really surprised because you managed to make it look fresh every scene even though you know it's the same plane and you've probably seen bits and pieces of these angles before it never looked boring thank you very much yeah talking about the the, the camera concept just yeah. for a moment we started to we have those design shots at the same uh, shots at the beginning of the mm -hmm. story but the more the action takes over we switched on handheld camera and the concept changed a little bit but we mm -hmm. always wanted to be part of the The passengers. Yeah, because I was wondering which action scene was the hardest to shoot and, and why? Probably uh, it's the final fight, her against eight ball. And I think we could have done better. I think okay. it's okay right now, it, but it, it's not there where I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. So uh, this was uh, one of my conclusions when we came to shooting the next movie. Just took a little bit more time to, to stage the, those action sequences. I think uh, uh, one step further would be great, but it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's right. <laughs> well, I mean, I liked it. I didn't notice anything, but you've probably seen that scene a million <laughs> times. So you see it absolutely differently. You mentioned the makeup earlier, the, the vampire makeup for Perry. Yes. And there are sort of the vampire romanticizing films, but this is not one of them. They're more like uh, Nosferatu-like creatures. How did the creative process behind that look come about? Did you guys already decide when you wrote the script, you and, and, and Stefan Holz, or did that come up later, what that would look like? Basically, idea was because it's her inner fight, mm -hmm. uh, what we wanted to show. So we wanted to be the, the vampire is really scary because it's her dark side, yeah. which is now shown in a visual way. Wanted to show, okay, uh, this is, it's a process. It's mm -hmm. the turning into a vampire doesn't happen with a blink of an eye. It has to feel very natural. Yeah. And later on, we, we had this this great guy, Mark Hulia, coming on board. He won two times uh, the Oscar for, I think, Harry Potter and Grand Budapest Hotel. And, and the most important thing, he is such a talent and a really, really nice guy. Mm -hmm. And I was so proud because he was ignited when I told him about the story. And so, you know what? This is definitely something I want to do. And he came with his ideas and it was perfect. So the idea was, okay, um, We couldn't afford to do face replacements, CGI mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. So we decided to go with this prosthetic stuff he did, which was great. And just at the very end, at the last stage of her vampire being, Changed, uh, yeah. we yeah, we, we supported it a little bit with CGI. So okay. we ma made her mouth bigger, her ears a little bit, the distance between mm -hmm. the eyes. We widened it a little bit. What, uh, what is just not possible with prosthetics and, and special makeup. So, uh, I, but I think, uh, they, but we always wanted to have this creature like an animal. So mm -hmm. without the supernatural powers, it's just superhuman strength. Mm -hmm. So, and, and when I talked to, to those, um, to our fight designer and, and action choreographer, I told him, okay, it's not supernatural vampires. They cannot crawl on the ceiling. They, they have to be like fast predators. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is what we wanted to do, yeah. Okay. And because you mentioned the mouth, was that broken, uneven voice that uh, Nadia has once she's fully given into her vampire cravings, was that an active creative choice or was that due to the prosthetic teeth? I was wondering. 
I think it was both. As of course, uh, it uh, she was capable of doing her lines with yeah. those false teeth in, but uh, it sounded a little weird. And uh, later on, when when we did uh, the sound mixing, our sound designer he used some plugins to to make it sound a little bit more animal-like. But uh, it helped us definitely. Okay, music. Yes. <laughs> Music is without doubt very important for the atmosphere of a film, especially so if you have some very suspenseful moments or action moments. How involved were you in the score of the film? And was there anything that you wanted specifically or maybe didn't want? We didn't want an, an action-driven soundtrack. Okay. It's more like uh, uh, the soundtrack should support, of course, the action, but uh, concentrate on the emotional backbone of the story. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I didn't know Dasha Dashenauer at this time, but uh, she was recommended by Sasha Bühler from Netflix. Mm -hmm. And so Dasha came on board and it, it was just perfect. Uh, it was uh, actually, I met her the first time as a real person when we did the dubbing in Berlin because okay. it was pandemia. So we yeah. did everything remote and uh, it, it was just great. She, she uh, understood everything and it was just sitting next to her uh, working on those soundtracks. And uh, she came uh, with the idea using this, is it called cello? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Cello. Yeah. This, 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 this very, very bass sound uh, of the cello and doing the tunes and uh, with this electronic beats and uh, I think I heard it and I, I, I was a big fan and uh, it, she just she just hit it so yeah it was perfect yeah. yeah because I thought it worked really really well because sometimes it can happen that suddenly you're watching a film and you notice the music obviously shouldn't happen ideally and and that was not the case it just really supported the story on screen. I have a light question because obviously yes. you shot inside an airplane, you shot at night. I'm assuming there were a lot of discussions how you light the scenes. And I was wondering, were there any particular challenges in regards to the lighting for for you and, and the team? Can you still see something when you try to, you know, have an atmosphere of, of night and of suspense in a way? So it's a vampire movie, and so I think uh, working with light, is, it's very necessary. So yeah. we had a concept, and first of all, we had to use the sun as, I would just say, as a character, because mm -hmm. uh, the sun is so important for the movie, yeah. and there are not uh, much scenes which takes place in the sunlight. And basically, it's only this one scene when uh, she, so our heroine, uh, Nadia, and her husband at this time, or the father of the little boy, doing the snowball fight this is the only scene which actually takes place in the sunlight and in the mm -hmm. very end when the sun comes up again so we we use this for dramatic reasons and this was very important mm -hmm. and uh, then on the plane because we only have the plane and we don't want it to make it look all the time the same so we uh, were thinking uh, and uh, our dop yoshi was experimenting with the light he had in the plane. So we built it all. It was all available light. We used this uh, spotlights for hard shapes and we used this uh, ambient light to, mm -hmm. to create the atmosphere in the plane. And we you even lose the soft backlight of the monitors to, okay. to, to, to ignite the, the faces and everything. Mm. And he was, uh, I think experimenting for three days before we started shooting 
with uh, all the atmospheres he can cr uh, create. And the good thing was, it was all be manageable from, it was like a, a DJ on his on on, <laughs> on his uh, um, his uh, mix mix uh, uh, yeah like, like like a mix board something yeah. yeah so it was everything there and he could control everything and he was just perfect so he did uh, tests and then we said okay this might be perfect for this situation then. Uh, when the, the plane is uh, going into the diving mode and then we have an emergency light and everything, the, the whole paintwork on the plane, it was gray and mm -hmm. a little bit darker than it is in an official place just to keep the atmosphere moody and down. And we had those big, uh, this uh, ambient LED light. So we could create every color and uh, then uh, everything was programmed and uh, when it came to shooting it, it it helped us also with being fast mm -hmm. while we were shooting because uh, we just switched it to okay now back to situation a and we had everything and uh, everything was was uh, stored in, in into the sport and then mm -hmm. we just shot with a handheld camera the only thing we had to take care of that because there were all the lights so yeah. The, the, the camera or the DOP didn't create its own shadow, but yeah, <laughs> this was not a big thing. Manageable. Yeah. Given that it's been, I don't know, a 16 year journey to get Blood Red Sky made, was there any particular scenes that you shot that you were sorry to have to cut? You know, if you spend that much time with a story and with a script. It, it's so fun, fun, funny because I think we, we worked in such a, clever way so later on christian becker asked us because he wants to, to save all the, the extended scenes mm -hmm. or the, the the deleted scenes maybe later on he could bring out a dvd or blu-ray or something and the area told him there's nothing so mm -hmm. we if we use everything there's only one little scene we got rid of but uh, it's not worth mentioning it it, it, it just I, i would say 20 seconds or something okay. of course we condensed it a little bit uh, but uh, there is not not big uh, chunks of the movie missing right now so everything is in there okay i have a few questions about you you've been working as a director and a writer for quite a while now how has the job or your perception of the job changed over that time if it has changed at all Hopefully it hasn't changed because I started <laughs> with uh, all my energy and it definitely, I'm, I'm doing the movies I want to see on screen. S somehow it works better or, or, or but, uh, but uh, for me, shooting and, and developing the story and, and everything, it's so much my, yeah, my passion, passion definitely. <laughs> so, and hopefully I, I can keep this passion going. Hopefully, of course, the, the movie making changed over the years. We started when we did the first movie. It was like bang, boom, bang. I think the, the movie conveys how we felt at this time mm -hmm. when we made the movie. It's, it was so much us. But uh, now it gets uh, even more professional. You have to be much more effective and everything. But uh, we, we are doing, or I hope I'm still doing it with the same passion. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully I never lose this. Yeah. Benjamin, when, when I talked to him, mentioned that you have a tendency for your characters to stay basically the same. 
he said, you know, Peter writes scripts where the characters start out and they're being confronted with something and they start questioning themselves like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we should change. Maybe there is something about us that doesn't fit. But he says, and usually in the end, they stay the same and they realize we were perfect the way we were from the beginning. Would you agree with that assessment? <laughs> I have to think about this. I, Sorry to I, put I, you on the spot. And he specifically mentioned Bamboo Bang uh, for, for that. Um, yeah, actually. in, in Bamboo Bang, it's just something different because uh, uh, there are those guys sitting and they uh, laughing their asses off uh, at the end and they mm. didn't change at all, which, which I think is somehow uh, this was perfect for the story. So <laughs> they di didn't even realize that they were fucked over by the girl. Mm -hmm. But um, And he thought for, for Blood Red Sky, he mentioned, he said, because... Elias, you know, he's the same good-hearted kid. Well, obviously he lost his mother, but he's the same person. And he said Farid is the same person as well. I mean, he's a good guy. Yeah, but I think, I, I think, uh, yeah, of, of course, he is a good guy, and he stands for the good in the story. Mm -hmm. he, he is not corrupted at all. So she, I think, she is a little bit responsible because what happened on the plane because it was her decision because the old vampire said told her she cannot fight it mm -hmm. so uh, the evil is stronger than her and she didn't want to know so that she killed the, the the old vampire and wanted to go on with her life and mm -hmm. her hope was that she can treat it but at the end everything turned out as the old vampire told her so I think she is a little bit responsible. Not that I, I won't blame her for that, because I can understand that. Yeah. So and and Elias was always the, go the only really good character in the script, but he stands for the pure good. Yeah, <laughs> may maybe character-wise, he's not changing. It's not a coming-of-age story where you in no. the end realize, okay, life is going on, and I have to be a grown-up right now. Uh, I have to think about this, uh, what what Benjamin said, because it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have done some more movies. But uh, yeah, maybe it's like that. I, I, I cannot tell you this right now. Okay. He analyzed this. I, I have to think about this. All right. You mentioned your frequent script writing partner, uh, Stefan Holz. I was wondering if you would share with us how... Does your collaboration work uh, for other projects as well? Do you brainstorm together and then each of you writes on your own? Do you write together? Um, so it, it's it's uh, changing over the years. Uh, a good thing is I think we are the perfect team. So mm -hmm. I am the one uh, with the crazy ideas and <laughs> I have mostly the vision, but uh, he uh, is much more patient as I am. Mm -hmm. He is I would say he is a, I mean this in a good way, he is a machine. So okay. he, he sits down and is just writing and, and he always knows when I'm not right and say, okay, we have to think about this again. I, I cannot concentrate for a long time as mm -hmm. he can. What, what really helps me is uh, developing the story and brainstorming. It's so much fun doing this as a team yeah. and uh, kicking ideas back and forth and just sitting there. I'm not a writer. I'm, I'm sitting there and uh, if you have writer's block, it's just frustrating. It's a, it's a great joy if it's, if you, if you are inspired and everything and then it just flows. But uh, developing the story, um, it's, it's so much more fun to do this as a team. And it started actually before Bang Boom Bang. 
I read the script uh, of Stefan uh, when I was at film school and mm -hmm. I really liked it. And then I get the chance to do a TV pilot for a TV series, which never got made. Okay. And I had an idea for the script and, and I said, uh, we don't have much time. Uh, Stefan, you have to help me out. And it worked <laughs> so great. And uh, we were arguing sometimes, but it's never about ego. It's yeah. always who has the best idea and uh, it's about the either story. one yeah. can convince the, uh, the other one. And this changed over the years. So uh, with Bang Boom Bang, it was like we were running. I had lots of crazy ideas, but I couldn't put them together as a story. Then I asked him, uh, Stefan, you help me out. And Christian, one of the guy at this time, I was in Copenhagen, where my uh, girlfriend at this time lived. And uh, he was sending, Christian Becker mm -hmm. was sending uh, Stefan to Copenhagen. And I think we were <laughs> running around the, the town for for a week and telling us uh, over and over again the story till we had it all okay. and then he made some notes and I, I was writing the script and then we i think it was one of the first emails i ever sent we emailed it to munich to to indigo film production at this mm -hmm. time and they were just checking it for typos and uh, this basically was our first script it developed later on and uh, it was a long process because in the editing room later on we realized, okay, it was our first movie and this scene was way too long and mm -hmm. we didn't need the introduction and this was... Uh, so we, we had to condense it and uh, we had to, several reshoots, but only little reshoots, sometimes yeah. only close-up to make a scene shorter and everything to bring the movie in shape. And I think over the years, we became more and more efficient. So uh, as I told you with Blood Red Sky or even my last movie, uh, Blood and Gold, we really used nearly every shot so it was very very efficient and i didn't wrote uh, blood and gold mm -hmm. this was another writer who also is a friend of mine we developed the story together but he did the writing and uh, with uh, with stefan holz right now uh, funny thing is we recently uh, wrote uh, two scripts mm -hmm. at the same time he was writing one and i was writing the others and we were telling <laughs> us all the time and uh, did the brain work together and it was sitting on one table and, and it worked out. So uh, both scripts are done right now. Hopefully we get it financed. And, and Stefan, over the year, because he is also writing as a very established writer right now and working as a writer, mm -hmm. and he became more and more confident, which is good. So, so right now it's a little bit more of discussing, and, but uh, still it's never about ego. It's just about yeah. whatever works best. And that was it. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Yeah, thank you very much, Christy. It was a pleasure. Deep Dive Genre is produced by German Films, the National Information and Advisory Center for the Promotion of German Films Worldwide. To find out more about our guests, check out the links in our show notes. To stay up to date with our episodes, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.